you pursuing a natural lifestyle for yourself and your family? Are you concerned about the standard American diet and options available for healthcare? Are you curious about herbs for health or already practice home herbalism? You've come to the right place. My mom, Naomi Kilbrick, is a Christian clinical herbalist and owner of Lower Chi Wellness. She teaches simple ways to live in a more healthy way and to work with plants to promote and restore health. Welcome to the Family Herbalism Podcast. everybody. Welcome back to the Family Herbalism Podcast. I have been so anxious to make this happen and finally sit down to record this podcast and I am so thankful that it has happened today. I feel like three weeks is way too long since uh, or between episodes and that is how long I've made you wait. So I appreciate your patience. I hope this has given you an opportunity to uh, listen to some of the other podcasts and catch up on them if you haven't had a chance to do that. And I also hope that you guys have all had a wonderful couple of holiday weeks with time spent with your family, some opportunity for rest and rejuvenation. I know that's not the case for some of you, and so we're going to be talking about that today. But we had a really good vacation. We had, it was definitely busy, but we had some great time spent together playing games, hanging out at the house. My husband had some extra time off from work. And we also had to kind of get into the groove of a new school schedule this week. So that has been on our plates, but we're figuring it out. And so I am back to work officially, and I've been busy this week with clients, and it's just been a really great start to the year. But I realized, again, that that is not the case for everyone. And so as I was thinking about what topics would be important to discuss now that we're back on the podcast it occurred to me that stress is something that is really important to cover because I feel like this, that stress is something that people talk about over the holidays or before the holidays, you know, like we're, we're worried about paying the bills, we're worried about paying for gifts, we're maybe anxious about gatherings with family that we aren't too excited about or there are other reasons you know the kids are off from school messes with the schedule there's so many reasons why the holidays can actually be very hard for some people and can cause stress but now the holidays are over and during that time it's easy to just you know tell someone yeah the holidays have been hard been stressed out but when they're over, you don't have the holidays to sort of take the blame for that stress. And now it's just back to life as usual. Um, It's kind of isolating almost where we feel like we have to just put up with it because it's the way things are. And we have to just get back to life as usual and suffer through it. And I don't think that that's necessary. I really feel like we have so many tools at our disposal that we can Uh, figure out something, some way to make things work more efficiently so our lives can be more complete and healthy. And so that is the topic for today. What are some herbs that you can work with to help you with your stress levels? Now, one of the things that I talk about with my clients when they come in is what is their stress level? Is it on a scale of one to 10? Is it basically never and down at a, you know, maybe zero to two? Or is it a full-time, round-the-clock issue and closer to an 8 or maybe 10? And the thing is, is that we all experience some stress throughout our lives. Stress is a normal part of our existence. And some stress, as we've always been told, some stress actually is healthy for us because it challenges the different parts of our body that keep our organs primed and functioning well, even when we're resting. So organs like our adrenal glands that uh, produce our stress hormones, our hypothalamus, which is also responsible for a number of hormones, thyroid function, which controls metabolism and heat and all kinds of things, our heart, our brain, our pituitary gland, our pancreas even, which produces insulin, all of those need some level of stress in our lives in order to function well. But that some stress is much lower than what many of us experience on a regular basis. And in fact, having chronic stress 
is damaging in the long run. And it doesn't take more than a quick Google search to find that uncontrolled chronic stress can interfere with basically every single part of our body. And I would like to highlight that it's not just an experience because I feel like we tend to kind of push it under the rug and say, well, you know, I'm just a little bit stressed out, but I can deal with it. It's just a feeling. I just need to get over it and do the things and and move on. The problem is that it's not just a feeling and we do have to legitimize it as as a feeling, but also as a very physiological process because in the body, it is affecting every system, every organ, and even every tissue in a negative way. So when you do those Google searches, you're going to see that it's negatively affecting your heart, your memory, uh, your metabolism, people, you know, don't sleep as well. There's all these different things that can happen. And what we're seeing is that chronic stress in the end becomes something more like PTSD and how that functions in a human body. And that chronic stress begins to behave more like something very traumatic happened. So even if the chronic stress seems like a small issue where it's, you know, trying to make sure we show up to time uh, on time to every commitment or making sure that the bills are paid or dealing with maybe a particular diet that someone needs to be on in the family. You know, one little stress repeatedly experienced is creating very similar physiological responses as major stress on a short-term level or even PTSD. And so let's take, for example, let's talk about weight because this is an issue for a lot of people who have stress. They find that they start gaining weight And usually it's blamed on the fact that they're uh, eating more often. Maybe they're stress eating. You know, that's something that we talk a lot about. But if you look at the science behind it, it's actually really fascinating. Stress not only causes people to snack more and maybe snack on things that are high in sugar, which can on the short term level feel satisfying, but obviously long term not very healthy. Um, but stress can also cause a lot of other things to happen physiologically that causes you to gain weight. So for example, you're not sleeping as well. And during the night, your body needs that rest in order to process the food that you've eaten and to put it to good use. So if you're not sleeping, you're not using the food that you have eaten. It also creates more time where you're awake, so you're naturally going to be hungrier and therefore eating more calories than your body actually needs. But also if you look at just the way your body digests food, when you eat food, you have a lot of different things happening. You've got stomach acid involved, you have bile, glucose, a lot of different types of enzymes. I think there's like 20 that are very common for every meal that we eat. And each of those things are really important. But when we're bo- our bodies are stressed out and we're stuck in a sympathetic state, uh, part of the nervous system where we're having to be hypervigilant and active and thinking constantly and looking out for danger, we can't shift into the part of our nervous system where all of those hormones and enzymes are released. So you have food that is now sitting in your stomach and there's not enough stomach acid, there isn't enough bile or, or insulin, there aren't enough uh, enzymes that are there to break down and process that food. So it's moving through your digestive system more slowly, the fat is being stored instead of broken down for energy, you're experiencing trouble eliminating toxins and waste products, and so there might be some more bloating or indigestion, and that's all simply because you're stressed out. And so for that in particular, one of the things that you can do is to focus on mealtimes as being an opportunity for rest. So if you sit down with your meal or for your meal, instead of trying to eat on the run or eat while you're watching TV or eat while you're finishing up your to-do list, take that time to sit down at the table, be with your family or your loved ones, 
and eat your food bite by bite and spend some more time being conscientious about what you're eating because if you are eating more slowly, you are allowing your body more time to release those enzymes and it actually can become a form of de-stressing. So that's one simple thing, but we'll get, we're going to get into a lot of different ways that we can work on de-stressing and helping digestion at the same time. Now, the way that we respond to stress can be in part by our experiences. It can also be in part uh, due to our genetics, because the way that our mothers carried us, the personalities that they had while they were pregnant, the experiences that they had while they were pregnant, the stress that they had while they were pregnant does in fact affect our genetics and also the way that we're raised. So I know a lot of people, you know, think that it's, we need to poo-poo this concept of our childhood determines how we live, but it is actually true. If you grew up in a home where, for example, money was always a cause of stress, or maybe since then you've experienced job loss or you watched someone that you love experience job loss, or maybe no one taught you how to balance your budget and you haven't figured it out yet, then money is likely to be a cause of stress for you today. So there's lots of different reasons why that could be the case. And of course, we know that there are many different sources of stress, but I think it's important to understand that there are lots of building blocks that create stress. And so taking stress away is not going to be, unfortunately, as simple as taking a pill or drinking an extra cup of coffee or, you know, eating those Oreos, it's going to be a, uh, a teamwork effort of addressing all these different issues and doing that step by step. So right now, stress in America, we know, is a very big issue. The American Institute of Stress reports that one third of people experience stress regularly And according to their survey, 48% say that stress interferes with their sleep. And over 70% say that stress is affecting their physical and mental health. About half of them, sadly, altogether, said that their stress was continuing to get worse. The Global Organization for Stress reported that three quarters of Americans experience moderate to high stress each month. 80% reported feeling stress at work. And stress is actually one of the top health concerns of high schoolers for many different reasons. Symptoms of chronic stress, you know, sometimes um, stress can be hidden. We can uh, just keep trying to push forward and do all the things and get to the appointments and ignore how we're feeling about things. And to the point where stress can be a sort of hidden illness where we know that it's there, but we're really trying to ignore it. And so it can creep up on us and become a bigger issue than it really needed to be in the first place. So that means that a lot of the symptoms that we would see with stress can appear to be caused by different things entirely. And we might not know where it's coming from. For example, some people express stress through anger or just being very irritable with people. And they might not know, where's that coming from? Why am I feeling so angry? You know, and so it takes some detective work to figure out where that's coming from. So irritability and anger are actually some of, a couple of the most frequent and most intense emotions that can happen because of chronic stress. And then we have fatigue and low energy. You know, there's this disinterest in, in participating in our lives and what's going on and just feeling an inability to get up and handle those things. This goes right along with lack of motivation. You know, a lot of people who are experiencing stress decide that they just don't feel like doing the things or they lose interest in things that they previously enjoyed. So it might even be a hobby or, and you know, maybe it's an activity where they go out and do something with their friends and, you know, go skiing or go on adventures and they don't feel like doing it anymore. That can be a symptom of stress. Anxiety, nervousness, worry, headaches, feeling sad or depressed, indigestion, like I mentioned before, because all the the stomach acid and all of that is not being uh, released properly. So indigestion, acid reflux, upset stomach can all be an issue. Some people express their stress through muscle tension. So they might find that their shoulders 
or their lower back, that one's really common, are, are just really, really tense all the time. Uh, appetite changes, increased or decreased, sexual problems, weight changes, diarrhea or constipation, and forgetfulness and lack of attention. These are all many of the common symptoms, but if you're experiencing chronic stress, you might notice that there are other types of symptoms that I haven't mentioned here. This is not all-inclusive, but these are some of the more common ones. So there are a lot of neat tricks for helping to increase tolerance to stressors, which we'll talk about, but if there are any obvious causes of your stress, I would also encourage you to take some time to think about maybe some choices that you can make to either reduce or eliminate the cause. You know, sometimes for some people, it involves changing jobs, maybe removing a person from your life or having hard conversations with people that you care about. Sometimes we simply need to change the environment around us or in our bodies with what we're eating so that we can withstand the strain of normal stress more completely and easily. You know, for some people, that's as simple as changing what they eat. So if you have a gluten intolerance or a dairy allergy or a histamine intolerance, you may find that eating foods that have those ingredients in them actually agitates your nervous system and you get stressed and irritable and anxious more easily just because of the allergens that are in your diet. So you can throw all the antidepressants and all the coffee and Oreos and all the herbs and whatever else at the situation, but if you know what the cause is of your stress and if there's something that you have within your power to do about it, it doesn't mean that you have to do it right away, but think about it because there may be some things that you can do over the next you know, few months or a year to help reduce your stress load and help you to handle what's going on in your life so that you don't need to take medications or herbs or anything else to help you process that information and process those emotions. But I would like to mention some techniques that have worked for me and for other clients And then I'm going to jump into the herbs because there are some really great ones out there that can really help to increase our tolerance to stress and bring that nervous tension down. So some tricks include playing with music, whether you're a musician or you just listen to music. Music can be very powerful. Colors. There are actually studies done around the impact that incorporating color, bright colors into your lives or soothing colors uh, can make on your emotions. So that includes the decor in your home. It includes, uh, you know, doing some artwork on your own or just putting, you know, hanging things, flowers, you know, flowers can do a lot for our emotions. Just putting these things in your lives to help, um, you know, give you some peace of mind, I suppose. Spending time in nature, this again, more studies involved, the more time you spend outside getting fresh air, walking under the trees actually improves the mood and brings the stress level down. There's a lot of research around that. Giving hugs. So this one is fun because, you know, you can give a quick hug to someone and feel better, but there are actually studies showing that when you give a person a hug for more than 10 seconds, it actually changes the chemicals in your brain. And it tells your brain that you are safe and that you are loved and accepted. So the next time you have an opportunity to give someone a hug, whoever it is, your spouse, your child, a friend, try giving them an extra long hug and see how that feels in your body. I bet that will help to bring down your stress level for at least that afternoon anyways. Expressing thankfulness, making a gratefulness list, whether you keep that in a journal or put it on the fridge or make a habit of talking to your loved ones at the end of the day about all the things you're thankful for. Uh, Focusing on those positive aspects can really do a lot for our stress levels. Moving your body, that doesn't necessarily mean an exercise regimen, but getting up, moving around, staying off the couch, you know, taking the stairs, walking to the mailbox, 
getting your body moving and your your blood pumping can really help to switch gears in your mind. Playing games with friends. This one, I saw an interesting study on this once. A simple card game once a week with friends actually adds measurable life to your lifespan. You will live longer by playing a card game with your friends. And this was across the board. No matter what the pre-existing health was for that person, they found that that connection time, it wasn't the game, of course, but the connection time spent with the friends made a big difference in how they were feeling emotionally. And then, of course, we have some dietary things, drinking more water, improving your diet, eating more slowly, taking supplements like omega-3 fatty acids, magnesium, vitamin Bs, C, D, zinc. Those are all really helpful. For some people, getting off coffee and or alcohol are really important. You know, coffee wires our systems and actually the caffeine stays in your blood for about six hours after you've ingested it. So it stays in your system a long time. And for some people who are energetically more hot and tense, they're going to experience more side effects from the coffee in their system. Um, let's see, working on your sleep is really important. Uh, you know, the, if you are getting less than seven and a half hours of sleep every night, you are going to statistically experience more problems with your health. So making sure that you protect your time for sleep is really important. I do have a podcast available on how to help you uh, create more and better quality sleep in your life. So if you haven't listened to that yet, definitely go back and check it out. Um, in, In addition to spending time outside, getting sun and moonlight exposure are actually really important for regulating your sleep cycles and also your metabolism and other hormones in your body that affect your stress levels. Counseling may be helpful for some people, talk therapy, journaling, getting out all those things that are bothering you. I love doing brain dumps at the end of the day, if I, especially if I'm feeling particularly stressed out. If I get it on paper, then I don't need to keep it inside of me anymore. Art can be relieving for some people. Meditation and prayer are also really important for a lot of people in reducing their stress levels. All right, so that's quite a few things. And even if you did not invest in any herbs or take the time to add any of those things to your daily supplements and routines, working on some of these practical skills may make a big difference in increasing your tolerance all on their own. So when people come to me to talk about stress, I do emphasize that there is a difference between stress and anxiety and depression. And it's really important that we look at the differences because we want to make sure that if you're taking herbs for something, that you're taking it for the right reason, that you're choosing herbs that are going to be helpful for the specific needs that you have. And if you have PTSD or some kind of trauma in your past, Uh, If you have bipolar or other mental or emotional health needs, then it's going to be really important to make sure that those are addressed specifically. You know, you can go to Google and look up herbs for stress and you're going to get a crap ton of different options and they really are going to be helpful to different people. Not all of them are going to be helpful for you. So it's really important to distinguish between those things and really get to the root issues. Stress and anxiety in particular can be very easily mixed because stress can lead to anxiety and an underlying anxiety condition can obviously add stress, but they are two different things. Both result in the tissues of the body being hot and tense and so they can have similar effects and symptoms, but they function differently. Anxiety is like a chronic level of panic and worry in varying degrees. It's usually worried about the future and what might happen. And the the levels of stress that a person experiences, regardless of anxiety level, are more, more likely, uh, they're more likely feeling overwhelmed, uh, frustrated, maybe out of control in a situation or multiple situations. They might be worried but it's not a 
uh, underlying level of panic about the future. So in an example of this, stress feels more discouraged and upset when the to-do list is unattainable, whereas the anxiety worries about what will happen as a result of that. So knowing the difference is important, and maybe you have both and that's okay too, but I do want to emphasize that stress is something different on its own, and so that's what we're really looking at today. So I've talked about energetic states in the past, and just as a quick review, the body normally has, uh, there are six different tissue states in the body, and herbs have matching tissue states, and they are on three different spectrums. So you have hot and cold, wet and dry, and tense and relaxed, and ideally, we're going to be right in the middle of each of those, but that's not usually the case, and illnesses can be they will pull the body to one side or the other on those spectrums and the herbs can be chosen specifically to bring them back into balance again. Stress is often made more problematic for a person who is uh, cold and damp in their tissue state. When there is a lack of proverbial fire and movements of movement of fluids, the hormones can't respond as efficiently to the stressors that normally happen in daily life, which causes the body to become overwhelmed and unable to process that stress. When that continues for too long, the pendulum swings the other way. So the body throws wood on that fire and tries to pump out stress hormones to try to fight against that cold state. So then the pendulum swings the other way, resulting in an overstimulated, overheated system that becomes exhausted and depleted from trying to fight against that, um, that state, the stress. So I've seen people do the exact opposite, even though normally stress uh, starts out as being a cold to hot state. So it starts out cold and becomes hot. I've seen naturally hot people that are driven into a state of stress and depletion that burns out that fire and results in a cold, damp state. So it's important to look at where you were beforehand and which side you're on right now and look for uh, foods and herbs that are going to bring that pendulum back into the center. So for example, a person who feels fried and irritable and exhausted are probably in a hot state and should focus on cooling and moistening herbs like oats, linden, and rose. Whereas a person who is disinterested, forgetful, unmotivated, they're in a cold state and would benefit from warming and stimulating herbs like ginger, ashwagandha, or catnip. And sometimes blending three or five herbs together create a synergistic effect that results in faster and more complete stress relief. And sometimes I will also create a blend that is mostly on one side of that energetic state, you know, so maybe it's mostly cooling, but then I'll add in one small amount of a warming one to stimulate and uh, really bring that that uh, blend together and make it more um, actionable and make it more uh, fiery. A good place to start if you're doing some research on general herb actions is to look for adaptogens and nervines. Adaptogens are herbs that really help the body to handle stress, whether that's physical or emotional. So if you've been under chronic stress for a long time, adaptogens can really help with that. Ashwagandha is a great example, and I'm going to talk about some more as well. Nervines are herbs that have a direct effect on the nervous system, and so they can be relaxing or stimulating, so we're going to talk about that a little bit too, but if you're doing research on this on your own, you're looking at herbal books, that's awesome. I would definitely say start with some adaptogens and nervines. Adaptogens also tend to be more nourishing and so those are a safe place to start because they are less likely to interfere with medications and they're more likely to be gentle and supportive. And that's a really good place to be to start if you're focusing on de-stressing. So I do want to mention that sometimes there can be an herb that actually causes the opposite of effect of what it does for most people. 
So for example, valerian is a common nervine that a lot of people use for stress and it can be super relieving to some people who are tense and wired, but it is warming so it can dry out and stimulate other people too much who are already dry and interfere with their sleep. So if you happen to try an herb and it doesn't work well for you, that doesn't mean that you should just quit trying, just stop that herb and try something else, uh, or reach out to an herbalist who can help you choose something that's specific for your needs. For the purpose of stress though, now that we've talked a little bit about those tissue states, I wanna focus primarily on warming versus cooling, which is a tissue state thing, and stimulating versus relaxing, which is an herbal action thing. So, and also we're gonna work with what you have. So I'm gonna list a few things. I'm gonna list several different herbs If you have something on hand that you can work with, that's great. Always start with what you have. There's probably a reason it's in your cupboard if it's there. Um, This is not a complete list of herbs. These are some of the more common ones that I'm gonna list. And so if you are in need of herbs, I do have an herb stash here. You're always welcome to call, send me an email. I'll give all that contact information at the end uh, if you're in need, but start with what you have. A lot of these herbs are very accessible, even available at your grocery store uh, if you are in need. So let's talk about that warming versus cooling and stimulating versus relaxing. So this first group of herbs is cooling and relaxing, which means that it's a good fit for the hot and wired person. So if you're a fiery type of person who's always go, 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 get that stuff done, and you're feeling overwhelmed and agitated, these are some really great herbs for you. Chamomile, lemon balm, motherwort, linden, passionflower, hops, wild lettuce, borage, skullcap, wood betony, and rose. So of these, I will just talk a little bit about my favorite uses for each of them. Real briefly, chamomile is a very common plant, so it's great to work with. It's safe for pretty much everybody unless you have allergies to chamomile and daisy and those sorts of families. Um, But chamomile is really great for muscle tension or people that are just, uh, they're fired up and they need to calm down at night and be able to sleep better. Lemon balm is really great for those who have more of a bent toward anxiety It's very calming to people who are overstimulated, uh, you know, whether that's even a a fever or insomnia or itchy, agitated skin. So lemon balm is really great there. Motherwort is really helpful for people who are feeling worn out from helping others or from getting uh, responsibilities taken care of. So they might be students, they might be literal mothers, Um, They might just have a lot of responsibilities at work and need help calming down. So that can be very soothing. Linden is all about loosening up, letting go of things that aren't important. It's great for a person who feels fried and frazzled. And if they have any grief or sadness they need to let go of, Linden is really helpful there. And Passionflower. Passionflower is in a lot of the sleep blends that you can get at the grocery store. It actually helps your body to produce GABA and to release it, which is one of those chemicals in the body that we naturally produce, but it's also available in uh, certain um, supplemental products that are advertised for sleep, and passionflower makes that. And hops is another one. It also produces and releases um, GABA. And passionflower is more of the the monkey mind like if you're if you are bouncing from one idea to another idea and you've got all these things going on that you're feeling overwhelmed maybe you're circulating ideas and you can't seem to let go of them passion flower helps you with that whereas hops is more of a muscle and stomach thing so if your uh, stress is held in your gut or your muscles hops will help you to let go of that Wild lettuce is great for nerve tension or pain and insomnia that's related to your nervous system, headaches. Uh, It's really great for people who are having too much, they're having too much trouble switching 
from sympathetic function to parasympathetic function. So there's just too much hypervigilance, um, too much agitation, and some maybe some anxiety mixed in there. Borage is really great for people who have adrenal excess or their adrenal glands are not functioning properly. Um, you know, they, they may have had a diagnosis of that, maybe not, but they're just, just feeling exhausted, overwhelmed, worn out, and maybe not sleeping very well either. So you can see there's some patterns here, a lot of similarities between them, but they each kind of have their own uh, little venue that they take. Borge has a really nice flavor too. I really like that. Tastes, tastes kind of like a, almost like cucumber. And then we have skull cap, which is great for overstimulation of the nerves, agitation of the nerves. Um, it helps the body to produce its own melatonin, so it's really great for sleep. And then we have wood betony, which is helpful for the person who is feeling aggressive and irritable, and also for people who are feeling disconnected from their body, which might sound kind of strange, but some people who are very stressed out feel like they can't recognize what's happening in their own body. And so that stress is literally their their body is crying out for help. They're feeling uh, disconnected, discombobulated, and having to kind of compartmentalize different areas of their lives. The wood betony helps to, helps to bring a person back into their body and not have to cry out for help. And then finally, rose, which is very soothing and calming to the whole body. It's really great, really great for any nervous system related blend. And I think that it's especially helpful for people who have had a history of trauma in their life that has resulted in chronic stress. So if you have some of that going on, Rose can help to soothe, soothe that down. All right, so that was the biggest list. I also have a couple for cooling and stimulating that are favorites. So this is for the hot person who is instead of being overstimulated, they're understimulated. So they're just more of a sedate person who is having trouble um, feeling motivated to get anything done, but their tissues are still overheated. And so in this case, oats and hawthorn are my two favorite. For oats, my favorite is milky oats, which are the tops of the plants. And you can get that in tincture form. You can also get it dried. But uh, you can also work with oat straw, which is the, you know, the stock part of the plant. And you can even make tea out of regular old-fashioned oats uh, by putting those into a tea bag and then brewing it as a tea. But oats are so, so soothing to the nervous system. Uh, they are loaded with minerals and vitamins that our nervous systems really need. And so that can help in a similar way to linden, which is like for that fried person who's just exhausted and depleted from constantly giving themselves out. And hawthorn is again sort of like um, sort of like wild lettuce. It's for that person who is having trouble switching into parasympathetic function where they're just hyper vigilant and worried about things and stressing out. Hawthorn is really great especially for those who have uh, agitation in their heart so their heart might be skipping beats maybe there's muscle tension around their chest and hawthorn helps to chill that person out um, and and also bring them some much needed energy because remember these are the sedate people who are just um, overwhelmed and exhausted all right and then we have warming and relaxing so this is for the cool and wired person so we're uh, we're doing the opposites here. We're on the opposite spectrum. Now we're warming people up. And this is less common. Most people who are experiencing a lot of stress are too hot and need to be cooled down. But again, for some people, they can be on the opposite spectrum. Maybe they started as a fiery person and now they're just completely exhausted and, and worn out. And so now they're too cold and need to be warmed up. So these herbs are for warming and relaxing, and they include Tulsi, Ashwagandha, Valerian, Lavender, and Catnip. Tulsi is really great for stress 
really for most people, a little bit of Tulsi goes a long way. It goes well with ashwagandha and rose if you're going to put it into a blend. I've had a, a blend here by uh, Fresh New Life Homestead called Cottage Comfort, which had half and half Tulsi and rose. And that was a uh, that was a big success with a lot of people. A lot of people loved it and would make iced tea out of it. I had one mother who said she was like drinking it by the court because it was so good and helped her feel so much more relieved and able to handle the daily stresses that were happening for her. Tulsi is great for bringing clarity to the mind uh, for someone who's having trouble with forgetfulness and you know memory issues uh, or communication issues. So Tulsi is awesome for those uh, who just have a lot of stuff on their front burner and are feeling overwhelmed. So it helps to kind of push that stuff to the back burner so you know it's there, but it's okay if you don't get that list checked off completely today. Ashwagandha is also great for stress, partly because it helps the body to regulate its own cycles in a more healthy way. So if you're not metabolizing correctly, if you're not having sleep-wake cycles correctly, if your body temperature is not regulating itself around the clock, ashwagandha helps to get those circadian rhythms back into balance again. Valerian is in a lot of sleep blends because it's really great for chilling out that overactive, uh, you know, wired nervous system, and it does help the body to produce GABA and release it. Uh, but again, that one's one that works amazing and can be a life changer for some people. And then for other people, it's just a little bit too drying and can push them in the other direction. So just, I would do a trial of that during the day, not at night. And if it makes a big difference for you, by all means, go ahead and use it in the evening and that should make a big difference for you. And then lavender, which a lot of people work with in all kinds of different forms. It's very popular. You can get it in tea, essential oil, tinctures. Uh, you know, if you're working with it in oil form, most people are putting it in diffusers, but you can put it on your pillowcase you can put it in a massage oil. It goes really well with orange and patchouli for those who are stressed out. Um, so I really like it in essential oil form applied topically. It's great in a massage therapy oil. It can go well in teas, but I will warn you, some people, because we're so used to having it in our cleaning products, some people feel that it has a soapy taste and it brings back ideas or memories of things that just doesn't doesn't sit quite right so you know you can try it in tea form but it might go better uh, in tincture for you and or it might do better in a blend of other herbs so that you don't have quite so much of that um, distinct flavor that that lavender has and finally you have catnip catnip uh, we're usually familiar with this in terms of giving it to our cats to help them have a nice relaxing high <laughs> but for people it actually does the opposite um, it can it, rather than wiring um, people it actually calms them down and so uh, catnip is really helpful for people who hold that anxiety hold that stress in their gut and it causes indigestion and rises similar to hops um, great for people who have rising anxiety or uh, acid reflux um, headaches things like that it can be very relaxing too um, to that um, cool and wired person and then we have finally warming and stimulating herbs for the cool and sedate person so this is the person who uh, you know, maybe they physically feel cold. Maybe they like feel like they have a lot of trouble um, accomplishing things in a day. They're feeling overwhelmed. They just don't have the energy. And so these herbs, and there are a lot of them, but I only have three listed here because these are my favorites. These are the ones that help to stimulate the person, bring them back to life, so to speak. It, it helps them deal with the stress by circulating the fluids in their body so that they are stimulated and, and able to get those hormones to the right places and have the energy to do the things they need to do. So ginger is one and cacao and eleuthero. Those are my top three. But really, if you look at your culinary 
cabinet, your pantry, you're going to find a lot of herbs that fall in this category of warming and stimulating. Okay, so, you know, spices, cinnamon, clove, oregano, thyme, even rosemary, although it can be a little bit cooling, but it's, these are very stimulating herbs that help to move the fluids and get things fired up again. Ginger works great at binding uh, plant um, like herbal blends together. So if you have a really good blend and you need to give it a little little kick, uh, putting a small amount of ginger in there can, can be um, a really good way of getting the most benefit from each of those herbs. And so ginger is very warming, especially to the core. It gets the blood flowing. Uh, it's really great for brain health and stimulating memory and processing. Then we have cacao. So what is the difference between cacao and cocoa, you might ask? Well, cocoa and cacao come from the same plant, but cacao, which is C-A-C-A-O, is not roasted. And cocoa, which is C-O-C-O-A, has been roasted. So both can offer benefits, but unroasted plants are almost always going to offer you more health benefits than those that have been roasted because that high heat does kill a lot of its medicinal properties. Cacao is an, is an adaptogen and it is stimulating and it is warming um, and it does help our bodies to produce healthy amounts of feel-good hormones so that we can feel able to handle a healthy amount of stress. And that's as simple as buying cacao powder in the baking aisle and adding it to foods. You can add it to baked goods, you can add it to breads, you can add it to smoothies, you can um, you know, make all kinds of different things with it. Um, you can make hot chocolate with it instead of using cocoa. Uh, there are some really awesome recipes out there for working with it, so definitely one of my favorites. Um, Let's see here. And then Eleuthero. Eleuthero is also known as poor man's ginseng. So if you look up ginseng, you're going to see a lot of information out there for people who have stress, who have uh, memory issues and uh, processing issues because of chronic stress. Eleuthero works in a very similar way, but it's a different plant entirely. And it can really help the person who is feeling like they have a long to-do list and not enough energy to get it all done. And so Eleuthero is one that I will often put just a little bit, just like ginger, into a blend to help uh, kick a blend into high gear and really help it do its job. So I have a few recipes here. I have three different, let's see here, four different recipes that I would like to share with you as examples. So the awesome thing about these plants is that you can actually play around with them and try different ways of combining them to see how it works in your body. Um, I would suggest, you know, if you're a warm and stimulated person, choosing mostly cool and relaxing herbs, and then maybe one that's a little bit warming. So uh, that kind of like brings the blend together. But overall, you can play with these and create something that works well for you. So here is an example recipe for a person who is hot and wired. That would be one teaspoon chamomile, one teaspoon lemon balm, half a teaspoon of motherwort, and a quarter teaspoon of milky oats. A recipe for an example for the cool and wired person, so opposite temperament, would be one teaspoon tulsi, one teaspoon catnip, and half a teaspoon of ginger. Now, if you're making an aromatherapy blend for general relaxation, and this could be great at the end of a long day to help set the tone for the evening, go ahead and put in the diffuser five drops of orange, five drops of lavender, two drops of grapefruit, and one drop of lime, or, this is one of my favorites, six drops of lavender and six drops of patchouli. That's super relaxing. So these are some really helpful resources for those who are feeling chronic stress. 
If you do feel like your chronic stress is due to some underlying issues, health, mental health, physical health issues, I would be very happy to talk with you to see if uh, consultations, a normal consultation would be a good fit for you. You can always reach out at laureltreewellness at gmail.com or check out my website at laureltreewellnessllc.com. And I do also want to mention that if you have a specific topic that you would like me to touch on, also reach out and share your ideas because I love hearing from you all and getting feedback and having ideas to share with other people. Before I end this episode, though, I have to let you know that last month I did a, um, I had some opportunities for people to get some free products and I decided to put together a drawing for a free tech support punch card. So that means that uh, I, I have these punch cards that I give to people who want tech support so they can contact me anytime that they need to for questions about herb and medicine interactions or how to make a recipe or dealing with a specific symptom and they need help right away. And so these punch cards are good for six text conversations and they're normally $33. So I had 14 people that entered in the drawing and they did that by scheduling an appointment during the month of December and Julie B won. So congratulations, Julie. I have been in touch with her about her card. If you are interested in tech support, you can again, email me directly or you can check out my website. I have the information right there at laureltreewellnessllc.com. And other than that, I think we have covered everything. I am really glad that I will be back next week with some more uh, interesting conversations about herbs and health for you. And I hope that you are well and you have a wonderful week. Happy New Year, you guys, and we'll be in touch. The Family Herbalism Podcast is created for educational purposes only. You are responsible for any and all medical and health decisions you choose to make. If you experience a medical emergency, please contact appropriate medical providers. To receive herbalist support, please visit www.laureltreewellnessllc.com. If you enjoy this podcast and find it helpful, please share it with your friends and family. Thank you for listening.